Rescue the Fosters is about changing the foster system. We want to ensure every child has a safe environment to grow and become healthy, successful adults. Additionally, when I was in the foster care system, I had to defend for myself. Rescue the Foster is here to empower the youth aging out of the system and offer resources to ensure they are not dependent on the government. What we observed was that children become institutionalized and end up in prison and providing the government with more funds. Rescue the Foster will provide coaching, resume writing, interview skills, professional attire for interviews, budgeting, applying for college, and obtaining housing. We want these youths to live the most free, successful life possible. It is their right and our responsibility to ensure that our future kids and grandchildren can live happy lives. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, praise the Lord. Plans that prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Welcome to Red, White, and Boom Rescue, the Foster's Edition. I am Gino, your host, and of course, I have Sylvia Beachy, also known as the Georgia Bulldog. <laughs> how are <laughs> you doing, Sylvia? Good, how are you? Uh, you knew I was going to sneak it in, didn't you? Yeah, I knew you were going to do that. That's the new name. <laughs> kind of an inside joke. Sorry, folks. <laughs> uh, we have another great show, another great guest lined up for you tonight, uh, coming highly recommended by his friend Sean McMillan, who we had on about six weeks ago. I will go ahead and put up his website here and go ahead and read his bio. Bob Powell is a family law, juvenile dependency, and civil rights attorney with more than 30 years of experience located in San Jose, California. He is one of under 10 attorneys in California who regularly handle matters involving the unconstitutional removal of children by government actors, specializing in due process violations in juvenile proceedings due to judicial deception and cases involving injury or death of children in foster care. Bob continues to defend the rights of families and their children in California. Bob Powell, welcome to Rescue the Foster, sir. How are you? Oh, you're muted. You're muted, Bob. Usually I forget to unmute. <laughs> I have. Thanks for having me. Uh, oh. I, look, I look forward to chatting with you all, and hopefully a lot of people are listening. Somebody will take the ball and run with it as well, like you two have. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh -huh. We appreciate it. We just really uh, thank you for your time. I know you're a busy guy out there and doing doing the hard work that uh, many just seem to not want to do, um, either burying their head in the sand. I don't know what it is. You know, to be honestly honest, Bob, with you, I've called out men in this show many times. I've I've wondered where they are. There's not many guys that are willing to stand up for our children, which I, I don't understand. Uh, I have four children of my own. I'm not sure how many you have, but, uh, it's like, okay, three. Yep. You know, and, and I can't imagine this happening to my own family and yeah. I, and I can't imagine it happening to someone else's. So we are all very thankful that there are guys like you out there doing, doing the good hard work. So Robert, we're going to give you the floor. Um, you know, Sylvia asked you a question before the show. And I think that's a good place to start. What was your red pill moment to get you going in this area of law? Well, on the offhand chance, there's no one here who saw the Matrix. Um, that's Sylvia's reference, kind of like, what was my epiphany that this was uh, my calling or something that needed to be done, I guess. And um, I had uh, been doing family law. I went into my own practice right out of law school. And um, I had been pretty much a self-employed kind of guy. And the um, 
one of the first cases I got in, the, the very first case that I got in that involved juvenile dependency was a client of mine who, in fact, just had a, a, print, a publishing company accept her book. So it's going to be out. Um, and, her, and her name was Donna Fryer. Um, and I knew her through our kids went to the same school. And I was you know, active in school stuff a little bit, a local coach in um, a couple of sports. And um, so she uh, she had hired another attorney when the case first got started and the kids got returned at the first hearing. And when she called me and, and I guess because the guy she hired said, hey, you should see if Bob wants to work on this, too. You know him. And I said, yeah. And she called me and I, I got involved. And when I heard the facts from her about how the kids were taken, I, I got to admit, I was like kind of stunned. Like, really? They took them on that? OK. But I didn't really know crap about juvenile dependency other than everyone had said it's insane. It's nuts. Blah, blah, blah. So I get involved and it is it was nuts. But she'd got her kids back at the first hearing and that I'd never heard. And, you know, and so maybe it wasn't my very first case. Might have been one or two in. And um, anyway, she calls me at some point during the case and she says, did you know that you can sue them? And I said, not really. I don't I think they have immunity. You know, it's like government. She says, no, I got a case right here. I go, we'll send it over. I'll give the attorney a call because if, <laughs> if you can sue them, I think your case would be one you could sue them. And sure enough, uh, she sends me it. The guy named Donnie Cox. He's uh, when you hear me reference the grandpa's. There's him and Paul, and they and uh, they worked together for years. And they had a, a sidekick, Dennis, who worked with them for years too. And um, and I called Donnie, and he said, uh, he said, yeah, he goes that case, and it's Wallace versus Spencer, and it's it's kind of like the, the foundation of certainly on the removal issues. Uh, it's the foundation. It's a case that says that you can't remove a child without a warrant unless they are at imminent risk of serious bodily injury, that's one. I, I take that back. Number one, do a reasonable investigation. I recently had that included in a jury instruction, so that's one. Then there has to have been an imminent risk of serious bodily injury, no lesser intrusive alternative, like the alleged perp moves out of the house or the kids stay with grandma and grandpa across the street, lesser intrusive to the family uh, alternative. and insufficient time within which to get a warrant okay all those have to be there and and only then can you lawfully take a child without having first obtained the warrant <clears throat> so he donnie says it's just us three i will give you access to my entire database you can have the password just go and get whatever you want your case sounds great let me send you a complaint you can model your complaint off of that and he did. And I, I made more money in that one case than I had ever made in a year at that point in time. Um, and that was like 24 years ago, 25 years ago. Um, and I found a passion for it because I, I love kids. I've coached over 350 children in my life. Uh, love my kids, love my grandkids, eat them up like gummies. Um, and so that was the start of it. And um, then with the, you know, I got the tutelage from Donnie that I needed. And um, I mean, Sean didn't show up till much later. Like I've been at it for seven years or something. And that was, and Sean was the first one to show up. And so at that point, there was the four of us in the entire state of California. Wow. And then here's Sean. Cool. We got five. 
you know, and then Dave Bavay showed up out of San Joaquin with the Rogers versus San Joaquin, what we call the dirty house case. He took these people's kids because their house was dirty. Um, and they, they, and one had bad teeth, you know, bottle rot as a kid. They weren't wealthy. I don't know if they were of color or not. I don't know, but that's a pretty common mm-hmm. theme. So that, that's, that's how I got into it. And, um, uh, I'm an empath of, of horrible dimensions and cry at a commercial. And um, it really pulled my heartstrings, um, what I see and what I still continue to see to this day. And that, well, that, that's how it um, I was going to say on the warrant, uh, everything that you listed, the majority of cases, they don't have a warrant. Like all of that applies for almost all of the cases I deal with. Well, if so, I'd like you to give me a call. And here's why. Okay. So I mean, we're, we're suing him back from like, Donnie's suing him from like whatever, 19, I think he started Wallace in 1994 or something and wow. wasn't finally done until like 2000. Um, and, and then I jump in and I'm suing him and I'm suing him up here. He's down there in San Diego. Um, and so long about 2010, uh, they finally start getting warrants now. And, and Donnie calls me and we're talking about this new development and up until then, what would happen is you'd show up in court, you'd get this detention report, and you give it to your client or these people who get these detention reports are sitting there in court and they get it and they go, what? That didn't happen. I didn't say that. That never, you know, and it's just like all this lies and shit. And, and I told Donnie in that phone call when we came to realize, hey, Los, I think it was Los Angeles, because that's the worst, uh, had, we found out they had started training. Um, and I said, Donnie, you know what's going to happen? That just means the lies are going to get moved forward into the warrant. That's where the omissions are going to be. And let me say something about that. Because yeah. now most cases that come to us do involve warrants, but there's still plenty that don't. Um, when you're a person and you've been subjected to a warrant, don't even bother calling me or anybody else until you've got the warrant application. And big surprise they just don't seem to hand that out to you no. as part of your papers in your case. You got to go get it. You get your court-appointed attorney, and they never get it. They don't get the delivered service like. But once you get it, then you need to go through it. You need to do what you would do with the detention report. Well, that's bullshit. Uh, I never said that. Hey, wait a minute. We told her this, and they left that out, which, you know, that's ex- omission of exculpatory evidence, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because omission is the best way to lie. If you, if you see your kid grab something and stick it in his pocket at the store and you think it was from the, uh, the uh, candy bars and you say, Jimmy, you know, the store, Jimmy, did you take this candy bar when we were in there? Cause you want to see if he's going to actually take it. And he said, no, mommy, I didn't take a candy bar. Oh, okay. Well, what's that in your pocket? He pulls out Neckos. Oh, oh. Well, you left out the fact you took the Neckos. It's that <laughs> kind of uh, lying that, that they're going to do because then they can say, Oh, I forgot, do uh, whatever. Yeah. So, but now, Sylvia, just to respond to what you said, if you're getting cases that don't have warrants, those are cases we're we're more likely to look at because they are. For those, well, I would say seventy percent of them ish are are probably unlawful. They're just, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, they're unlawful. By by the way, Bob, I don't think anybody would steal Necos. I'm just just throwing that out there right now. Well, I don't. I don't know anybody that likes Neko back in the day. What's a Neko? Oh, they're oh, like those god awful. 
<laughs> They're terrible. I'll What's Google it. Google it to send it to Leah. <laughs> Let's just fire so, some. Let her be her own judge. Right. We, yeah, that's true. I will. I will. I'm gonna so, look Bob, for one of these. That, is, that is absolutely horrifying that these yeah. so-called warrants. Oh, let me ask you that before I forget. Okay, so wait, one more thing before I forget. Okay, so ahead. also on the warrants, so since that started, now in all my depots, whether it's a warrantless case or a warrant, whatever, I'm always asking these social workers, hey, how many warrants do you, would you say you've applied for during your whatever, five years, 10 years, whatever, and then and however what it is, 50, whatever they answer, right? And then I'm asking them, how many of those have been denied? I swear to God, the answers repeatedly are like, I don't sometimes just, I don't know if any, or some say none. And um, and, and then like one or two, and out of like 50 or like 100. Do you think law enforcement gets, you know, like a damn near 100% warrants granted no so anyway i'm sorry gino i hope i didn't derail you no no that's a good point very important point absolutely thank you i'm saving him for the next congressional board that i sit in front of because i've sat in front of one congressman's um meeting one time and i'm hoping that somebody asks me again then i'll bring all my polygraphs too oh excellent well i guess my question was let's say someone shows up at my door tonight knocking on it they have they have a warrant supposedly now we've seen in several of these cases they're not even signed by the judge or doesn't seem to be signed by a judge a lot of them seem to be someone else signed them we don't know who maybe a, maybe it was a case worker maybe it was a cop somewhere down along the line i don't know but let's just say i they they show me a warrant i don't know anything about a warrant i don't know anything about my rights and i say oh okay officer come on into my house is that the proper protocol i mean do i once they show a warrant do they, I think they have the right to enter my home or do I still have rights to say, don't come in my door? I, I don't know how that works exactly. Can you explain that part? Yeah, it's this simple. Unless they have a warrant to enter the home, they can't enter the home. Now, do you think they'll honor that? No, no, but, but no, they have to have a warrant to enter the home. If they, if the kids are in the home, they, they have to go, well, shit, we're going to get another warrant because you don't have that warrant. You know what I'm saying? So, no, they don't have a right to enter the home. Okay. Now, what if, like you said, you got to go find that warrant? How many hoops do you got to jump through to get that warrant, typically? Okay. So, uh, how many hoops? In theory, under the, um, we're just talking California, and so unless you ask me otherwise, and then I probably won't have an answer. But in California, under our uh, statute 827, under the Welfare and Institutions Code, uh, parents have an absolute right to everything in their file. It's a very exhaustive list, really. It's everything in their file. And some counties, very few, have at least gotten to the point where they have a form. You go to a window, you fill out the form, you give them the form, and then you wait. And you do wait, you know, it's going to be weeks almost everywhere. They say we have to redact it. And then they take tremendous liberties with redacting it. That I can't even get into that, but there's just, I, I myself as a lawyer, I, I go through battles on this 827 process uh, constantly with redactions. Just redact all kinds of shit. And I, I pretty much win every one, every one of them, but it's getting exhausting. So they have a right to get it. And then, um, and that it should be, that's it. They get it. You know, uh, it, you can file an 827, but as a parent, you're not supposed to have to. And there is, 
part of the problems, as you know, with the juvenile dependency system is it's a closed door kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a case that Donnie and Paul had a while back and uh, they somebody brought a writ. I don't know if it was Donnie and Paul. I think it might have been. They brought a writ when the, the court wouldn't give them on on an 827 request doing it formally because you need you do need to file papers if you want to get those papers and go over and use them in another case. Right. Then you have to file a paper. But if you want your own records, you shouldn't have to do that. And um, so the, and it was the parents and they were trying to get their records so they could consult with an attorney. And the court said, no. Nah. And the, the appellate court, I swear, like one sentence, like parents have a right to the records. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, and, and yet that that's just part of the, the problem. One of the many, many problems is they don't they don't play fair. They don't play square. It's like us against them. Um, it's horrific. It, do you think that that's because there's no oversight? I mean, if someone was overlooking this corrupt system, I don't think we'd have all the, uh, well, frankly, the, the corruption that's there right now. It seems like if someone was watching them, looking over Who? their shoulder, I don't know. I mean, Who? that's 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 what we've discussed many times. Who would it wouldn't be the government? That's for sure. We don't want them. That's right. Involved in it. Yeah. So we need to open the court. We need to open the uh, juvenile court system. And there's plenty of states that are doing it. I think at the last count, like 22 states or something, actually have some form of open juvenile court. It guys, that's that's where the yep. fungus grows, baby. It's mm. in the hot humidity of darkness, and. Um, so that's to me that's kind of like number one if i had to rank them I'd, I'd rank opening the courts number one you remember a guy down in la about uh 10 years i lose track of time so could have been last week uh <laughs> and one of the judges one of the judges said, yeah you know what we're gonna open the courts in la and holy shit the seiu is one of your problems uh, and all the you know the people who feed at that trough of misery uh, oh God, you can't do that. These children, and you realize, like seventy percent of the cases in these in these courtrooms are drugs or alcohol, you know, or neglect, and or and all many times driven by poverty. Um, they're not, you know, all sexual abuse, and mm -hmm. you know, maybe they're physical abuse, but not, not like bloodied and an eye popped out, and yet we can't see that because it's going to traumatize the kid. You've fucking taken the kid from the parents and yeah. the study, a study, the latest study was focused on when it was real clear that it truly was an abusive home. You know, they said, oh, we're going to have to set this high criteria and these are abusive homes. And and still the children who, who were removed from those homes still had a higher percentage of being injured or killed than in the care right. of their abusive parents. That's right. so, yeah. No, this is what I, this is what I keep saying that mm. even if they are abused, we are taking them from an abused environment and we're placing them in another abused environment. It's yeah. it's just different. It's just a it's different, just different area, and yeah. it's usually worse because uh, it's they have six uh, they're six times higher to die in care than yeah. in a biological home, even right. if the it's abuse. Yeah, the range is between 40 and 60% on the three to four studies that exist is that they're 40 to 60% more likely to be injured or killed in the care. Now, are there good parents, good foster people? There are. I've met them. They've made my case a few times because they, they too, will talk to the social workers and then later I'm 
showing them, well, you know, the social worker said that you said this and this. And they said, fuck, I did. Say wow. that. That didn't really? happen. Even and with that, the foster. This wow. lying okay. stuff happens all the time. Yeah, I mean, they're mm. good people in every... There's mm. good people who are social workers, right? Sure, absolutely. There is, of course there is. You yeah. can't walk through any group of thousands of people and say they're all bad. Right. Um, yeah, so... Um, you had out. this case that was really... Um, I don't know if it went viral or not, but it was called a right to lie. Yeah. So it, yeah, it went viral. Uh, and it was, it was incorrectly named, but, uh, can't stop that now. <laughs> it's just, it got its own life. And now people refer it to me. Weren't you on the right to lie case? Well, yeah, sort of. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's some, some rather arcane legal stuff, but, um, yeah, the bottom line is that was Hardwick. Uh, versus County of Orange or Recon, I think what it was titled. And it basically held, they were in there arguing that the law wasn't clearly established that they couldn't lie in this context, in the context of a juvenile dependency proceeding. And there was this other case that was about a like licensing for foster care and somebody had lied to, you know, to fuck the people who were fostering. And I feel for them too. Anybody who touches this tar, I feel, feel bad for um, but in, in the end, if you've ever watched that video, it, it is really, it's a great video. Yeah. Um, and I got a funny story about it, but they, um, the court just, just lambasted that poor lady. I don't know, you know, and the, you know, the, the partner of the firm, he didn't get up there and argue it. He's just like, well, go on up there, Pansy, and, uh, make that <laughs> argument for us. She did, you know, but I got to tell you a funny thing about that. And, and hopefully those who have seen it will, will will uh, recognize this. So she's getting her head handed to her. Um, and this judge is just acting like uh, he's astonished. Like, I, I can't believe what you're saying to me. You're telling me that these social workers didn't know that it wasn't okay to lie in order to, you know, take this, this woman's children. You know, at one point he says, it boggles my mind, right? So the guy who did the oral argument was my associate, Dennis Ingalls. Like I say, I told you before the show, out of the less than 10 who do what we do, only three of us actually appear in juvenile court. And it's me and two people who used to work for me, Sarah Marino and Dennis Ingalls. And so Dennis, he had worked up the case and he had only had one other opportunity to argue in front of the night. And I'm busy as hell. And I said, hey, Dennis, and he wasn't working for me anymore. I said, hey, I'll give you this X amount of money. Uh, you you prep for the oral argument and uh, and handle the, you know, do the oral. Okay. So we go down there, and um, and she's getting her head handed to her. And you'll see us putting our hands over our faces because we're just like, oh, you know, wanting to laugh at all. And I, he says to me, he says, um, I, I don't know that I'm going to say anything. And I, and I leaned back over, and I said, well, they're saying everything you'd want to say anyway. <laughs> and, then, and then he pauses, and he goes, but I'm keeping the money. <laughs> and I just, just wanted to punch him for that because I was already having a tough, tough time. But no, like, <laughs> it was a good video. I actually, I think, I think we added it to the when we posted out. So hopefully, oh, yeah? you'll watch that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was one of the greatest funny moments I've ever lived through. I've ever not laughed through because I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> so Bob, so Bob, 
I mean, I don't know how many cases you've you've argued for families in, in these situations, but I mean, it's got to be heartbreaking. I don't know how you don't take it home with you at night. I mean, it's to see these poor families ripped apart for nothing, literally for nothing, because these people want to profit off of them. I don't know, like, how you keep that in your head and, and keep it separated from family life. Because I know for me personally, we do these shows a lot. We talk to a lot of people. We're constantly texting with each other. And I do have to separate it. I mean, I ha- once we're done, I have to say, okay, I got to compartmentalize it. It's going to sit over here in a box until morning, you know? Um, yeah. Is that, have you found yourself doing something similar? No. I, I mean, everybody, everybody wonders that. How do you go through and see the shit and crap that you deal with and the fucking morons that you talk to under oath and, and, and keep going? And uh, I, I don't know. The battle has to be waged. I know that. So, um, and I feel really like I'm 62. I mean, how much more do I got in me? And could I ever stop? You know, because I'm a bit of a workaholic. Uh, but yeah, that that it does get to me. But I see it as a battle that must be carried on. And mm-hmm. there's nobody coming to join us. And we can't find anybody. I got one lady who called me today. And I'm going to call her back after this show. Because believe me, if I get one, I'm just like, ah, ah, <laughs> trying to get them in. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you, bro. I, I, I work out and I think it clears my mind. I work out almost every single day. And I think it helps me get through the stress. And uh, because I just want to, I, I, here's the thing I say, and this is scary. I'm not, I'm, I'm there's a little darkness. I say, the worst thing that could ever happen to CPS is if I get a terminal disease or I win the lottery because <laughs> I really don't know what I'm capable of to make the statement because they're hidden behind those doors, you know, mm, yeah. they're hidden, they're hidden, mm. Sylvia. And if you can't knock that out, because then I wouldn't need to preach. I wouldn't need to show up on a show like this. They could read it in the fucking newspaper. Yep. yep. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's all darkness and secrecy with these people. And and it's the the more you know, the more it seems impossible that this could happen in this country. I think I, I said the know. same thing. You just think like this this cannot be happening. I mean, I've told family members this and they're like, "No, come on. They they don't take people's kids. They just take them because they're abusing them or they're drug addicts." You know, that's that's just <laughs> locked in everybody's minds and it's like, "No, that's not the case. It's not even close to being the case." But it's it's kind of we got to break down that barrier and just like you said, I think it was post before we started the show pre-show uh you were talking about you know the media won't touch this thing we can't get it out in the public eye it's got to go viral like we need one big break of a case you know i hate to say it it's got to be like a celebrity's kid or a politician's kid and then all of a sudden everybody's going to start talking about it right but if it's just you or me who cares about these peasants you know we don't care about them that's the part that's so frustrating i know sylvia you know she's been dealing with this way longer than i have and she's seen it firsthand I, I mm-hmm. know people that have had, you know, situations, but they got their kids right back and, you know, it wasn't an ordeal. But for most families, this is an ordeal that it, it leads to really bad places for these people because they just can't cope with being separated from their children. I mean, anybody that's watching this show right now and you have grandchildren or your own children, think about that. Think about how mm-hmm. awful that situation would be. Like, I mean, it's horrifying. I remember going to the mall with my kids when they were young, thinking, oh my gosh, you know, like, where'd they go? Like, you're, you lose them for like five seconds. And you're right. Like in a panic, yeah. you know? Like, I can't yeah. imagine, like, you know, months, years or never seeing them again. It's just, right. it's, it's insanity. 
Uh, it's yeah. insanity. Uh, um, I have a case right now of a of a young family. I think they're in their early 30s, and um, the dad brought a, a, a son to the relationship who has an eating disorder, and he will eat everything and anything. It's like he's a crackhead for food. And left to his own devices, he'd be dead right now. He'd be a big ball of fat, and his his heart would collapse. So it it's really stupid. But the, the thing about the damage part of it is what I want to turn to, which is the father had nine years sober. He had he had nine years sober, and he and uh, his wife had. Uh, uh, she, the wife had a, a son too, and then he and her had a, a baby boy named Wyatt, a little boy, two years old. I don't even know if you have two. And uh, dad relapsed after they took their kids, and they, these kids got back to them pretty quick. Uh, I think they were back in the home after like uh, 20 days or something, and the case was completely dismissed after two months. Um, but he relapsed after that, and uh, he spent the last uh, two weeks or so living out of his car and uh, in and out of a rehab who won't take him back now. And she's trying to keep it together, you know, the kid. And the, the motherfuckers, okay, th there was no basis to take the oldest kid or this kid who had the eating disorder. It was just, there wasn't. But they did. And then they write this warrant. And it's full of shit and all kinds of omissions. Because, again, omissions, that's the way to go. And then, so they, they, and the middle kid who has another father, they basically call him and say, look, you need to take this, take your boy, and you need to file papers. And, um, uh, uh, you know, or we're going to take him from you. And so he, he, they, the mom and dad actually dropped the kid off to, to him, I think it is. And, um, and then shortly after, he's letting him talk to the mom because he knows they're full of shit. But they finished this big, long warrant thing with all this bullshit and lies about uh, the Silas, the kid who had the eating disorder. And then they, and at the bottom, I shit you not, little teeny paragraph, and Wyatt too, basically. Oh we're we're going to take the baby. We're going to take the baby too. There's no, these kids are... Dad's doing great work. Mom's a doting mom. Uh, and this poor guy is just crushed. You know, he's crushed. And, um, and it's on the brink as we speak. It is like on the brink uh, for him. He feels, because when they, they take, when you're left powerless as the protector by societal norms, and, and it's reality, I mean, in a lot of ways still, we're, we're the more husky physical presence. That's the protector aspect. And then you, you're emasculated. And you, you can't help your children. And your wife is mm -hmm. can't sleep bawling her eyes out, losing weight, pulling her hair out. And anxiety meds for her. She had anxiety meds when she was like a teenager. Never had them again. Now you're back on them. Uh, never to never mind the kids and their hypervigilance, you know, like, where's mommy? Where's daddy? Where's the dog? Oh, you can't go to the store. Anyway. No, I feel like that's what they do. They make them, uh, they drive them to where they, the parents turn to 
uh, substance abuse or they become alcoholics or they start doing drugs for the first time. And then they use that as a reason to keep them. And um, I mean, they cut them off completely. It's like you, you have no contact with them. You're not, you're only allowed to see them supervised visits ever so often. They can drop, they can change those whenever they feel like it. Um, and, and I've, I worked in the system, so I saw the kids, you know, the kids was what got me was they were crying for mom and they were mm-hmm. having, so then they put them on psychotropic medication to calm them down. And the psychotropic medication actually makes them more aggressive, more suicidal. And uh, it's, it's like a cycle. It's like it the kid cycle. becomes a product mm-hmm. for them to have an income. Yeah, that's true. One of the important things that's happened in science that at, at least I know that one county that I'm suing, I haven't like four or five lawsuits against them, they have implemented this training. And it, I think it's starting to finally, because these people are way, way slow, like turning the Titanic. Um, over 10 years ago, we started to get the scientific results of uh, childhood trauma. And we learned that it's more than just ether or vapor when these children are, you know, are traumatized by this removal and separation from their parents and home and their aunts and uncles and their cousins and their, you know, sometimes their schools and all that. And it's not ether and it's not vapor. It is actual structural, what they call physiological changes to their neuronal system, to their nerve endings, their synapses, their gray matter, their white matter. And they are they're damaged like a car has been damaged and a car is never the same and it never will be the same um, because literally the structure that processes their thoughts and their feelings and their emotions has been damaged and that's gonna that why do you think we have these statistics about oh the kids who are out of foster care they they're on drugs and da, 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 da. well i mean they're separated from their parents now any anybody who says no child should ever be separated from a parent is a fucking idiot yeah because there are yeah. plenty of goddamn parents of that should never have a child, right? Yeah, but the vast majority, wouldn't it be better if we spent our money trying to support the parents and get them the help that they need instead of filling these courtrooms? When I'm in a courtroom in the juvenile department, there's the judge, there's his clerk, there's the court reporter, there's the bailiff, okay? That's for sure. Sometimes the court has, like, another person there. That's for sure. Then there's an attorney for the moms. What do I have that for? And then there's an attorney for the mom. There's an attorney for the dad. And then if there's sometimes an, an attorney for the kid. So, right, we're up to like six or seven. And then sometimes there's a conflict of interest amidst the kids because maybe there's a sibling group. Uh, the other one was married, but her husband had died. She had two kids. And then they got married to this guy. And he had two kids. Now we're up to like eight, nine fucking people. And they're all getting paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One day, one Important hearing one hour in the court hearing in there, it could be a couple thousand to three thousand. Books. So ridiculous! Wow, how much in dead? We supported that family with that money, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe oversight could consist of the social workers having a, a car, a decent car, let them have a decent car, and they could spend their day cruising around amongst the various people to see how they're doing. 
Dan, is there anything I can help you with today? You know, uh-huh. and not coming in, you know, like, oh, Jimmy's got a Bruce. Can you explain that, Bruce? No, Jimmy's, you know, six fucking years old and he's got two older brothers. So no, I can't. So stupid. I, you know, Bob, that's, I'm glad you brought that up about the, all this money that's being wasted could have went and helped that family out and get out of their, you know, whatever their problems are, whatever their trials and tribulations are. Um, Sylvia's talked about this many times, like with all the money that's being paid to a foster family per month. And I mean, it varies state to state, but let, you know, let's say it's the average is $1,500 a kid or something. Maybe it's probably more, but that money, what could that do for a family that's low income. I mean, that's groceries for two months, three months. That's groceries. That's that's a, a training to get a better job. It's uh, clothing to, to go interview for the job and in decent clothes. It's I don't know, man. The whole fucking thing's backwards, like many things in America. Yeah. What do you think? What's the root cause of this? Why is everything you know asked backwards? Is it? Do you think it's? Is it the the politicians have rigged it this way? I mean, I believe it's incentivized. I you know I I think that ASMA and some of these other laws that have been put in place have incentivized these people to do this, and they make a lot of money for the state and for themselves. You know, whether it's CPS or these other organizations. So I'm going to address what you said first, and I'll get to what I think the problem is, and it's quite simple and it's quite human and surrounds us every day the money the monetary incentive there are many who swear that that's it that's it but i I don't think i mean it is structured in a way that incentivizes uh the taking of kids because that's the only way you end up to get paid for your job and then you take the kids and then they need a counselor and so we're going to fund fund those guys and then the who who gets those counseling jobs most of the time the new counselors because they're looking for you know, to make some money and they, you can't get a job and they, but they're licensed. And so they'll take that fucking CPS work until some of them, of course, don't take it very long. They realize that it's shit. Um, so it is a problem. The, the way that the financial incentives are structured and to take more kids and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and they'll do things like if you say that a kid's special needs, which could be, they have ADHD, which should have ADHD. I, I love it. Works for me. Um, and, and, and then, and then they give them more money. So how often do you think they check that box? Oh yeah. Jimmy's right. got ADHD. He wouldn't, he didn't go to sleep last night early, but the, the root problem is the same root problem that, that drives, uh, what we're seeing in the policing community. Finally, now that we have body cameras, um, what we see in politics, what we see in, um, in the judicial systems. And it's just humans, uh, given power, the vast majority cannot wield it in a fair and judicious way it's a it's a sickness it's like too much money sometimes is a sickness you ever notice mm-hmm. i don't know the Car- the kardashians sure seem to have a world of shit for a family that's always on the goddamn social media and, and plenty of others like that you know the murdaws things didn't work out well for them they were wealthy that's true so power but power power is the power yeah ego ego hubris power uh, the arrogance and ignorance okay if you fuck a family because you're stupid or or you're uh um you're arrogant you know and you're you're all steeped in your power it doesn't matter all in the same spectrum and the spectrum is the family gets fucked and the children get damaged for life that's right so amen to that 
you know, can you can you walk us through just one of your cases? You don't have to use names or anything, but like start to finish. Like what was the process? You know, CPS comes, knocks down the door, they take your kids. What happens from that point forward? And I know it's it's you, not the same. It's not cookie cutter, but no, it's not. Just, and by yeah. that, do you mean what are the steps, or do you mean like one of my actual cases? Well, yeah, I guess use an actual case maybe if you can. Okay, I'm obviously leaving out the names. But... So here's one, and I'm going to use the names because it's all in a complaint oh, okay. and it's all public record. Excellent. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I'm just going to use the first names. Um, so I had I have a client, Leanne, um, and I'm using one that's not like my client's not a saint, you know. She's just mm-hmm. a regular human being, you know. Uh, client's Leanne. She has had some drinking issues in the past, but she'd gone to AA and she's doing fine. Um, and she has hooks up with a guy named Doug, and they have uh, two kids. And one is, um, uh, I can leave the kid's name out of it, but she's uh, like one years old at this time. And then they have a new baby, uh, and the baby's five months old at this time. Okay. Uh, that three months? Yeah. Pretty young baby. And, um, and Doug is a bit abusive, and he drinks beer every day. He doesn't smoke dope. Um, and she drinks a little beer, but she, and she might smoke a little dope, but, um, again, none of them, neither one of them are like horrible dredges of the earth or anything. Mm-hmm. He lives in a, an RV Winnebago type trailer. She's her parents living there in town and she mostly lives with them, but she would, when they're having troubles or difficulties, she would go, um, she would go with them, but then she would also go back with Doug. And so this particular day and night they had been at the trailer, um, they had, Doug had had his beers. He'd had like, I think one or two beers um, and had a little bit of pot earlier in the day. And so they, they go to bed. She turns that kitchen thing into the bed, you know, the kitchen table, they drop it and you put the pads and it's mm-hmm. a bed. And she's laying there with the, uh, the one-year-old and the, the baby uh, boy. And she's breastfeeding the baby boy, Doug sleeping in the actual bed. And um, the baby, she, uh, she wakes up and she, the little boy's in between her and, uh, the daughter and she's at the edge, you know, kind of like being the block. So neither one of them can go off the edge. <laughs> but then she takes them and she, um, she goes, you know, it's tight in here. She picks him up, takes him to the end of the bed, turns him around. Now they're foot to foot. She's on the other side and there's plenty of room. She's not, not a big woman. She wakes up, uh, she thinks maybe an hour, hour and a half later, looks at the baby. He sees some like glistening coming out of his mouth and he's died. Oh, so nice. yeah, that's scary. Right. Okay, but he's died. So she takes, um, they call, obviously, uh, 911, and they come out, police come out, they grab the, uh, the dad's coming out of the trailer, he's got the baby, the ambulance pulls up at the same time, they get the baby into the ambulance, they try to talk to uh, mom and dad, but um, mom is so dis- like so distraught, she can hardly talk at all. Um, and and, and they, all, they, they head to the hospital, um, and when they get to the hospital, and they bring, they bring the one-year-old to the hospital and then they um they talk to the doctor and the doctor says it's did and cps is involved by now cps comes in oh and the trailer it's not the picture of, of beauty but it's not like right. filthy everywhere there's just like five six beer cans on the kitchen counter there's some dirty sinks in the thing um but there's the crib there's a little porty potty thing trying to get the one-year-old to use so they're, they're not like just total crackheads not even close the doctor tells the fucking social workers that the kid died of SIDS okay actually they don't talk to the doctor (laughs) 
They're there at the hospital. They don't talk to the doctor. They talk to a nurse. Nurse says, uh, the doctor suspects uh, that the child died of SIDS. And, uh, um, but, it, but according to their notes, the nurse also said, yeah, he suspects that mom rolled over on the kid, okay? And yeah, co-sleeping can be dangerous and all that, but this doctor and the eventual autopsy, which only which came out like, is it three days later? Yeah, it was two, I think it was two days later, it said no suspicion of abuse or neglect. But of course, by then, they'd come in. And what they did is, so they talked to mom and dad at the hospital, and now they're able to talk. Dad's angry, and he's like, you know, not wanting to talk because he's thinking we didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, I had some beers. Oh, outdoor table at the tra at the uh, trailer, outdoor table, a little teeny baggie of pot. I don't know. It's small, I mean, like like that. It's a little, mm -hmm. little teeny baggie of pot. It's not even full. And a little glass pipe right there. And I think there's an empty beer can on the table, too. They take a picture of that. And um, so that's the, there's all the bad. That's the yeah. entirety of the bad. You with me? And they, they go to the hospital, talk to mom and dad. Mom explains what I already told you. You know, I was here and I put the kid there and da da da. And Doug's more like, what the, you know, what's the deal? You know, your your questions are stupid. We didn't do anything to the kid, and uh, they don't like that. Oh, they don't like it when you don't, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then they give them, they ask them for their, they get their numbers, and they tell them. We need to talk with um, our management or, you know, the higher ups about this. Uh, please pick up the, the call when we pick up the phone when I call. And she says, OK, mom, OK. And um, then they, they go outside and they make their calls to management and management says, take them. Because in this county, what I'm going to be proving if I have to go to trial is that if a kid dies, they just take all the other kids. I have another case. Same thing. That kid died, but she died of a terminal illness. That everybody knew she had, oh and she was gonna die. Wow. And, she died. and then they came, they took his son. So, <laughs> so, anyway, so they give him the numbers, and I tell you this because I just took the deposition of one of the removers yesterday. Yesterday, day before yesterday. And um, she says, We're gone, we talked to them, and then we came in, and they were gone. And we were surprised. And they go, well, what do you mean you were surprised? You you gave them, you told them, you got their number so that you could call them after you'd spoken to your thing, you know, spoken to your management. She goes, well, they were supposed to stay. Well, did you tell them to stay? Well, I don't recall if we told them to stay, but, you know, it's that kind of stupid shit. So anyway, they go to her parents' house, big surprise, which is, by the way, an address, the address that she gave them at, at the hospital. They already been up to where the trailer was. It's in a trailer park, and they went to the uh, grandparents, and they come and they take the girl, and mother collapses. She's hysterical. She makes suicidal comments, and they fifty-one fifty hold her. At that point, that kid is in the home with both of them, with their fucking grand. Well, not both of them, Autumn, with their grandparents. Wow. That's that's where she lives. We got a bedroom. Got a bed. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, so there's a good example. And then of course they're in court for I don't know, three, five, five or six months maybe, you know, and, and, and now Doug's gone. I don't know if he we can't find him, but he might have suffered the same fate as the other guy was telling you about. Yeah. You know, he was already a drinker and he just went down the down the shitter.
I mean, it does seem like they built this too. Like they just like drag it out for months, right? Everybody's getting paid by taxpayer dollar, right? It's just, it's the same uh, red tape bureaucracy we see in everything else. It's I'm sick of everything else. Taxpayer money being wasted like this for nothing. Just like you said, they were living with the grandpa. Like how that's an that's an open and shut case. Like I mean, you don't have to even think about that one. That that was warrantless. So when I try to when I try to ask them questions, these social workers about okay, so what was the imminent risk? of serious bodily injury to that child from the marijuana out on the table in the middle of the night that she wasn't even there when you went and got her over at the house, over one of the house where there was no marijuana. Well, you know, kids can uh, consume marijuana. You mean that powdery, (laughs) leafy substance? (laughs) (laughs) I had had fun taking her through this. Oh, and she said there was half a beer can, empty beer can, like kind of underneath the bed there. And I said, so let me see if I understand. You think that there is a likelihood that the um, the one-year-old was going to get up, climb over her brother, climb over her mother, and then get down under the bed and grab that beer can and guzzle it? You know, what what, what serious bodily injury? And then I took her through, okay, on the marijuana outside, you're going to climb over the brother, climb over the mother, you're going to go to the front door of the trailer, open the trailer door as a one-year-old. Parents are going to sleep through that because they're so fucking wasted. And and then she's gonna go out and tear into that bag that's sealed and or maybe she's gonna load that maybe she's gonna load the pipe. <laughs> right. And these people these people cannot be this dumb. It's just it's Gino. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some, but most of these people know exactly what they're doing. I mean, wouldn't you agree with that, Bob? No. They, no, they they're that stupid. No. <laughs> I have depots that would just <laughs> blow your mind. You would think that somebody, there's got to be somebody somewhat intelligent in that agency, and they, but they put this guy out on the street to make decisions about whether to take children. I get a lot, not a lot, but there's, a, there's it goes to the power thing. I've had a couple of few occasions where social workers, I find out in the depot that they wanted to be police officers. Hmm. They wanted hmm. to be police officers. Those people. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I bet you asked that question quite a bit now once you found that out. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like something you might bring up quite often. <laughs> yeah. Now, the one I asked, though, about, about the warrants, I always ask about that. And then I did want to mention this. So long, long time ago, you know, I lo- like I said, I love kids, and, uh, and and I had a great childhood. I really did. I didn't have that great of a, of a, a mom, but love him. Mom, okay, it's cool. Uh, great dad. We, you know, we did. It. We rode motorcycles all over the fucking Western United States. Good, good parents. And they, um, um, a lot of these uh, parents um, are just not even treated like like they're human. You know what I mean? They, they it's just yeah. like everything you say is a lie. Mm-hmm. Everything yep. you say is a lie. It doesn't matter what you said, because in, in so many of these cases, they, they they tell them, and it just doesn't matter. You know, it just doesn't matter. Well, um, you know, uh, you you made me think we were not allowed to um, talk negative. Like we were not allowed to put our concerns of the foster parent in our notes, and we could only and we were encouraged to talk bad about the biological family. Uh-huh. And then the way and the way that the system is set up 
is that when you put your notes in, it goes to a supervisor and the supervisor reviews it before it goes and before it's approved. Uh-huh. If they don't like what you wrote, then they, they make you rewrite it. So, uh, and you can't, uh, like, it was crazy how we would have to, I would have to think of ways to write my notes, to tell the truth, because they want one narrative. And the narrative is the biological mom is bad, the foster parent is good, and the kids are bad. So if the kids are bad, you get more money. If the biological mom is bad, she won't get her kids back. Right. And you'll hang on to your money from having the kids longer. Yeah. yeah, and back to something you said, Gino, about the, the process itself. And it's not and it also goes back to something you mentioned, Sylvia, about discretion. I don't know if you used that word, but you said they could increase visits, but they don't. Okay. So constantly, constantly they, they say at the first hearing, okay, we're keeping the kids, but I'm gonna I grant the social worker discretion to increase the visitation, you know. And um they they just they they don't they they might start to when they get to the end uh, or to this point called the six month uh, review. That's when they might you know kick it up. They look a little good with the car. Oh, the parents done so good now, you know. And that's just part of how everything they do is lockstep. And this is mm. how we do mm. it, you know. And it's like, how about some freedom of thought? How about let's focus on is this kid really benefiting? You know, I had I, the, a case I have right now. Mom has been on. She, I just got her. I only came into the case late, really late. It's too, too bad. Can't, we can't get to these places in the middle of California. And she's had um, she went eight months, eight months with like four hours a week with her three year old daughter. And the very first visit logs, like the first three uh like just glowing and by the second or something the person who's handled is saying you know uh recommendations more time with the mom third one uh less restrictive visits you know and more time with the mom blah 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 and then what do they do you'll hear this pattern over and over that lady gets removed (laughs) and then the other social worker is put in there you know like no 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 you shall not support the parent you know, yeah. and so she remained on four hours for May, yeah, May to um, like end of January, whatever amount of months that is. Just had her first overnight since May of uh, 2022, uh, this last Monday. Ridiculous. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Have you noticed a certain group of people, a certain demographic that maybe gets targeted more than others in California? Well, it's certainly the the, the poor mm-hmm. start yeah. there, and then uh, and then consistent with the demographics for poverty, um, then then there's people of color. Um, yeah, and uh, you all, you guys have certainly been at this long enough to hear about the the rainbow study, right? Oh, the, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I don't I I doubt that that's changed a bit. I mean. And the irony, kind of one irony there, guys, is that so often we see this, it's the strangest phenomenon, but I, I think you see it in all kinds of walks of life. You know who, who can tend to be the harshest, meanest bitches and bastards to, to a black man or woman who's in the CPS system? It's going to be the black uh, uh, social worker. Hmm. That, it's like, you know, 
You should pull yourself like that Clarence Thomas, you know. You should pull your bootstraps up and be like me. You know, you're a shame. You're a shame. My race. I I don't know. You know, I don't know that. I don't understand. I don't understand most of it. Yeah, and you've been doing this thirty plus years, twenty five, and in this, and and you still don't get it because it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. There's nothing logical about what's going on. If anybody has half a brain. They realize, okay, this isn't right. Like something's wrong. It isn't right. We need to fix and this, then, but no one wants to fix it because it's a money machine. It's an ATM. It's a money machine. And and, and here's another major major part of. Um, I thought for sure you'd take me down the list of shit that's wrong with the system. But here's another one. Okay, so in the in that system, as you know, a huge problem. Court appointed attorneys. They're not getting paid shit, and the, frequently they're young. They're fresh out of law school. They can't get a job anywhere else. They don't have children. And, and they're just worthless. They're just worthless. Talk to people for three minutes. The case I was telling you about with the lady where the kid was like eight months to the four hours visit, she did not get the detention report. So she came out of the detention hearing. So she came out, oh, here's your, here's your report. Oh, oh what, what? Is that what you got? So it, 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 that's one of the problems. Another problem is, so you've got these same people in this courtroom every day. Now the 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 pointy part of justice and the court system that we have is that there's uh, advocacy uh, against each other, right? Now they say, oh, you know, juvenile court is not a um, uh, an aggressive. I can't remember the word I'm thinking of, but it's not an aggressive forum. You know, we didn't work together. Da, 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 da. Well, the reality is. These same fucking people are in those courtrooms day in and day out. And that blunts advocacy. It is much harder to look in an opponent's eyes and go, you're full of shit. If you're seeing them every goddamn day and you're having lunch. Now, here's a classic example that will live with me till I die. I'm in the midst of trial in Sacramento County. One of the big offenders. I have two lawsuits against them right now. I'm in juvenile trial there and it's like second day of trial or whatever and uh we go out to lunch and uh or it's lunchtime we really we go to lunch i come back in and i i and i notice there's like crumbs and shit on the table and i go what the fuck? i said hey well, what happened here to just kind of a lot to my people and one of the fucking idiots that represents uh one of the court appointments said oh judge um whatever her fucking name was uh, was just uh, she was a commissioner. And she just got a judgeship or something, or you know, and or whatever, some promotion, some I can't remember what it was. Doesn't matter. I she goes. We had a um, a party for her here in the courtroom. Oh, you mean the judge that I'm in front of right now, so advocating ridiculous. as a privately retained attorney for this even. person? You get it? I'm like. <laughs> It's so fuck. And here's the thing, guys. Well, wait, well, I'm I, sure she recused herself, right? No, no, because I, I, I made the mistake. Here's the thing: we'd already been in. I'd already been up for like two days. I just like maybe the third day, and I'm not cheap. And of course, I don't get paid half the fucking time either. But anyway, I'm not cheap. So <laughs> I, I, I told my client. I said, Jesus Christ. I said, you know, I could probably get this whole case, get her to drop this case right now, um, because she. That's a big fuck up. That's just so wrong. It's not even funny. And I said, but that'll mean we start all over again. Oh. And we 
and come back. And they are already, you know, deep in hawk to me. And, and I said, look, I'll do whatever you want to do. I said, but if I, if I say something, uh, if I don't say something, then, then nothing was said and, and it, nothing will matter. And she said, no, and we thought, we thought things were going well. We thought this lady seemed to get it, mm-hmm. but she didn't. And, and let me tell you, people who, who want to practice in juvenile law, you talk about dealing with the horrors of what we deal with every day. It's kind of a horror to think that in a real courtroom, you would win. You would win. And, but you, you can't because the judges, too, are almost just as much of the problem. I mean, sure, yeah, there's good ones. Right. Yeah, I read a 21-page opinion by a judge who was clearly pissed at what he was, had heard about his agency. But they're few and far between. I'll tell you that. You don't get a fair shake. Nothing's a fair shake. That was my next question about family, the family court system. I mean, I, I personally think it's got to be burned down. I don't even know how you fix anything now. There's, I think it's beyond repair. Would you agree with that? So, yeah, I heard you mention that with Sean, and I, and I said, that's mm-hmm. absolutely right. Yeah, I, I, the way I describe it is you got to take it down to the last brick so now can we still keep the buildings? Because we're going to need some buildings. But we got everything else has to change. Yeah. Has to. It really and it, it, And it's not theism. It, it, we are living, yes. and these people That's are, right. we live it here. Yeah, and this absolutely. is here. Oh, I know. I started to tell you, years ago, I, um, years ago, I started, uh, I don't want to represent somebody who really did like fucking diddle a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's my choice, and I choose not to do that. Yeah. Um, and it's okay. Maybe you have a problem, and you can get help. That's great. I'm not. I'm. I'm against the death penalty, so you're going to live in my world. But you still shouldn't have <laughs> done kids. Yeah, so, not my world. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> to each his own. Um, so I, I started. Uh, if those were the allegations, I would ask uh, my clients to take a polygraph, and I would learn a lot just by the response, which almost unanimously every single time was absolutely do it right mm-hmm. now. And I hooked up with a guy. This is over 20 years ago now. Uh, he looks like Cato. He's, he's like 67 <laughs> now, but he's totally like a totally fit Asian dude, and he's a cop. And he's like a captain in the, a local police force, and he was trained by the FBI in polygraph, and he did it on the side. And currently now, and for the past 20 years, he does like almost every law enforcement agency in this Bay Area. And of course, being a cop, he was of the opinion, well, I thought CPS was a great agency and, you know, they did the right thing and do good things and blah, blah, blah. So him and I hook up. I'm starting doing polygraphs with him. Now he's, he's done, I don't know, 50, 60 of them. And I, I, I start saving them. And I, all of them, guys, in all the like, whatever, I don't know, I could probably look. I, I know I have at least 35. I may have 40 of these. And they're not all sex abuse. Sometimes, uh, whatever it is, I'll still ask the parents, you know, hey, do you want to take one? Because here's my, and this is my advice to any lawyer out there who actually wants to fucking represent their client. Uh, a polygraph where I live in the Bay Area, like 500 bucks, okay? It's probably cheaper in some of the more rural counties. You can get it for maybe 350. Okay, and they'll tell you, well, that's not admissible in court. And my answer is, it's admissible everywhere else. Everywhere. You take that and you slather that fucker on every doctor that was involved, teacher that made the claim, everybody. So you get them to know, look, this is a he said, she said, here's what I said in a polygraph. And of course, once in a while, they get slipped into a court report because I think maybe somebody on the other side like rooting for me. 
because I get referrals from social workers. I do. Oh, wow. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I took on, I have a case with a social worker right now representing him. That's a, so such a, that's such a great point with the light, the lie detector, the polygraph. It really I mean, like, is, yeah, we, but, of course it isn't allowed in court, but, but just like you said, there's always a back door. There's another way. There's always I mean, another it, way. Here's the thing. They send you to these, the guys who are accused of, um, uh, like not just a, like anger management or something. Cause there's an allegation, you know, often in a, a situation where it's a custody dispute and the woman is trying to see the kid, um, or whatever it is. And you take it to that counselor. You know, oh, you diddled your kid or you 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 have anger problems or you did this or you do that. And they send you to a counselor and and then you say, well, OK, I'm here. I'm going to do it. What you need me to do, because most people are smart enough to just fucking just bend over. And but but I do want you to have this. I do want you to have this. OK. It's a good thing. I like them. There's also emo there's also emotion. I'm not going to get into, but mine end up in the court file. Oh, wow. excellent. Yeah. So, Bob, before we go here, I, this is the million dollar question. How does this thing get fixed? I mean, is it politics? Is it the people rise up? What has to happen? So, again, one of the cheapest fixes, because, you, you know, all fixes have to be considered in some context of cost, uh, is to open the courtrooms. Open the yeah. courtrooms. It, it should be, it, it should be that that a, a party has to um, bring a motion to to close the hearings, and the standard that they have to meet should be very high. In fact, yeah. you could easily take like eighty percent of the types of claims, like uh, neglect, you know, drugs and alcohol, and say no, you know, those are open. Period. End of story. Um, and then the things that start getting into physical abuse, okay, we're going to have this standard. Um, then uh, you certainly wipe out this um, practice where low-cost bid uh, representation, yeah. you know, they have low-cost bid representation, and these firms, and they go out and snag these, you know, 20-somethings or these people who probably should never practice law or it's definitely time to stop and who aren't going to advocate they don't give them the resources um and, and you fix that because obviously without zealous representation you, you're not going to get anywhere you guys you i've gotten in cases before uh where there was available body cam footage you think anybody got the fucking shit no wow. i show up oh you're telling me there's well let's go ahead and get that I get it. I come to court. Even when I, by the time I get there and I've got it and I have, you know, I give it to the other side of the county council too. The county council is the first one to say, well, you know, your honor, Mr. Powell got the body cam footage and we've looked at it and gosh, you know, uh, it looks like really the house was just fine. And then we're going to dismiss the case, you know, I mean, I mean, courts in uh, Reading now, I uh, the county and none of the attorneys that they court appoint for the parents actually gets what are called the delivered service logs, which are the chronological notes that the social workers mm -hmm. write when they're doing their job. Mm -hmm. and, and I've heard, I've seen, I've picked up files from court appointed attorneys before and I'm like, well, there's, fucking, there's nothing here. What? Oh, I mean, so representation, Jesus Christ, the judges, I, I you, you can only fault the judges to a point if nobody's there giving them hey, I, the right. fucking evidence. Right. That's mm -hmm. dereliction of duty at every level. 
locally at every level. That's and then you can't so sue the fuckers because they're court appointed. Right. Right. Embarrassing. What an embarrassing system this is. It's embarrassing. Very embarrassing. But the it's damage little... they're doing to these kids, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, right. one more yeah. thing I thought. One more thing I thought might help in the family court, and I don't know if this is true in California or not, but I think a jury of your peers should be in order, especially when it comes to a family being torn apart. I don't understand that. How is there no I, I, jury in ha- in most states? I know, and but to be honest, that that jury should be there from the very like beginning almost, but. I think that you need a jury because, yeah, people, that would help because then the people would learn. They'd walk away. And even if some of them felt, yeah, you should, some of them shouldn't. And it doesn't have to be maybe the full whatever 12 that we have for a criminal case, whatever. Make it nine. Who gives a shit? The mm-hmm. point is that would that would both accomplish public oversight and it would it would help accomplish buffering out some of the, the bias and the bullshit and the shitty representation because when an attorney is now in stage in front of, peers in his community too he doesn't want them you know going walking down the street going, there's that there's that fucking hack i watched in court the other week so i think that would be huge i mean that would be huge but but you know the system at this point it just needs to be obliterated i i really yeah, yeah. i don't know that anything would can fix it it's so sad I don't think and so I, sad. I think most most people just don't know this they have no clue yeah. If if I told if I went up to ten people on the street right now and said, "Did you know Family Court does not have?" If you went to Family Court right now with your kids, you would not be before a jury of your peers. People would be like, "No, that's not true." They would not know that. Well, they would not know I, that. I'm glad that you keep saying that because I remember when I watched you guys, Sean, and I wanted to spell you of something and get you into the right nomenclature. Okay. You keep saying Family Court, and okay. nine. I know that that can be loosely, it, it, you are using it loosely because there's family court, which you also don't have a jury. That's true. Uh, but then there's juvenile court and everything you guys are involved in and I'm involved in is juvenile court. And it should okay. be said that way. And it's technically juvenile dependency for taking unfit parent arguments, juvenile okay. delinquency for this is a little shit of a kid. Um, and, uh, you know, family court, I don't know, it's just, I, no, you're right because yeah. we have taken the the juvenile meet like there are children involved like that yeah, mm-hmm. that That's, really yeah. sets forth that this is yeah. and a lot of the cases, yeah. um, especially with foster kids, you're going in there and it's just the foster kids. You know, they're just there by themselves. Some you know a lot of times they're not. There's nobody there with them. There's nobody there with them, and the foster kids. I mean, yeah, I've got. I've just picked up a case. I've just picked up a case that involves a bunch of kids who've been placed with a uh, a pastor. Nobody can see this coming, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and and apparently they're just getting groped and fondled for longest oh, yeah. time, numbers of them. Um, and so the the I don't know. And then when they would get a you know a call or something, in fact, this is one where a court appointed attorney who I know. Um, that's why I ended up getting getting referred uh her and her little firm said you know they said something's not right here and they kept telling the social you need to go look and they wouldn't go look and they filed their own um like 387 uh petition mm-hmm. or, or a 300 petition to, to have them investigate wow. and they went to court and gave them the argument the court said yeah you, you go go investigate that hmm. and so wow. they did and here we are now the kids are coming out of the woodwork you know and i, I think i've got three or four of them right now um yeah 
It's funny you brought that up about the pastor because me and Sylvia were just talking about this on the phone earlier that the church, I think the church, I, I'm a Christian, unabashedly ashamed. I, I love my faith and live by it. But I got to tell you, the church is a disaster. The church is some of the biggest, uh, per, they, they are literally, the, the foster care system in the church is so corrupt. If people yeah. knew, pe these people go and they worship right on Sundays and some, and there's good people there. I'm not saying they're all bad. Sure. They're, they're just, they're, they're, they think they're helping these kids, bringing them in, whatever. They have no idea what happened before that. And the yeah. pastor, the pastor's padding his pockets. The elders yeah. are pad, padding their pockets. Everybody's padding their pockets. And the congregation knows nothing about what's actually going on with those, that kid's family. And it's right. horrendous. It's been going on for decades. This isn't new. Yeah. It's the same old right. trick. It's all right. this has to be exposed. That's why we do this show. I mean, when Sylvia and KK started Rescue to Fosters, I didn't really even understand it. I mean, I was just like, okay, it sounds like something I'd like to get behind, you know, and <laughs> I was so, you know, green and on this stuff. I had no idea. Now, every day, I'm just blown away more and more by the corruption at every single phase. Every phase. Yeah, at every phase, guys. The lying is just, it's incredible. And God bless body cameras. There's a friend of mine, Kevin oh, Thurber, yeah. and he um, he might be a good guy to talk to, Kevin Thurber. He's He's yeah. been a zealous advocate in juvenile dependency for a long time. And he, he restarted something that had apparently started years ago in fell apart called juvenile dependency attorneys for parents. Ooh. And he asked me to come speak at that recently. And I did. And he is pushing really hard. He and his group are pushing really hard for body cameras for social workers. Oh, and I that's told an him, excellent idea. Yeah. Yeah. Thank mm, Cause I really? do civil oh, rights with God. cops too. And, and that's changed the whole landscape. And he, um, mm. he, he, he's already got on board a judge named Ladoris Cordell out here. She's, she's retired now, but very, you know, very civil rights minded black judge lady, great lady. And so she's on board. And and if we could get body cams, but here's the thing: out in my state, where are you guys at right now? You're not in Georgia. Georgia. You're, in, you're in both Michigan. in Georgia. You're in I'm in Michigan. Yeah. yeah so out, out here in my state. <laughs> Um, but everybody's using body cams, but the social workers, not, I mean, the cops, of course, uh, but every time that there's a bill to, um, make it so that they even have to audio record, it gets struck down. You know what I mean? Because the, the, what's called the SEIU is like the largest union on this side of the Mississippi. Okay. And they, it's like, this goes to the money thing. I don't know if self-preservation because obviously exactly. if you get shit if you get shit taped and on video then i think you know 80 90 of the you're, time you're, that's going to really help the truth you're, right you're gonna you're gonna be out of business real soon yeah you're gonna be there you're gonna have to change your mm -hmm. fucking ways and i'd that's be fine right. if you stay in business if you change your ways yeah, you i'd go. be okay we gotta have somebody looking out for the little kids who can't do it right. themselves you know that's right but this might God. be the way to abolish it I know, but you watch, mm -hmm. they'll fight that fucker tooth and nail. Yeah, they will. Yeah. Hmm. It's it's such a simple solution too, you know. It's that isn't hard. It's not hard. No. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Hard. It won't happen. Won't happen. And, and because well, it's union, hang on. Because it's union, yeah. Then it's hard to get rid of the shitty social workers. It's really, yeah. really, really hard. That's, yeah, yeah. Good point, so. Sylvia. Any uh, last questions? No, just keep us updated on that because I want to mm. know because um, that's something that I, I want to push. I want to push for the cameras. Yeah, to so, make it nationwide. It should go yeah. federal. 
Yeah, yeah. keep us posted because that's something that we can go ahead and start pushing. Yeah. Uh, that and open court, like that's two court. simple things that would open the the public's eyes. Yeah, for sure. If the public could just hear, mm-hmm. yeah. and they hear about sure. they hear about the kid, they hear about the kid who was that documentary about Gabriel Fernandez. I yeah. know a lot about that case. Yeah. I know one of the social workers for one of the firms that was involved in that. And and that, of course, makes the news. And then, I mean, then it creates this like, oh, that's how it always, that's how it is. That's how they fuck Mm -hmm. up. No. How they fuck up is that they take so goddamn many kids they didn't need to fucking take that then the kid who's chained to the fucking stove or in the closet, they never even get to them. Yep. You know what I mean? You're yeah. going to take a kid because the parents smoked dope or mom let, let the seven-year-old walk down to the park, right? Mm-hmm. We've had those cases lately, the horrible cases of the people in Texas who smoked dope, and, and then they take their kid, and the kid dies, gets killed. Fuck. Wow. We can rap, guys. I can go on with this shit for <laughs> I know. It's, it's awful. Right, we love I love listening to it because this opens people's eyes. They they need to hear this stuff. They need to they need and they I love your passion. Your you know, they need we need passionate people like you that are, you know, mm-hmm. like like the thing I noticed about you and Sean is that you actually care. Like this isn't I this do. isn't like some charade or something. Like, you know, I think a lot of people have a perception of lawyers like the, oh, they're arrogant, they're cocky, this and, so, and a lot of them are. Okay, let's but there sure. are good That's lawyers true. and that are out there doing the good work. And doing what they're supposed to be doing, advocating for their clients, and and that's exactly what you and Sean are doing. And thank God for guys like you. We just need to, you know, if we can clone you guys, I, I think I said that to Sean. Can we clone you like a hundred times and start throwing you guys around the United States and cleaning up the <laughs> act? But unfortunately, and, and I don't think is, that's possible yet. <laughs> the thing is, Gino, five years ago I saw this coming, and I started talking about it, and everybody agreed. I said, "Look at us. Look how old I am. Look how old you are. The fuck we got. We've we've grown by Sean." and a couple of employees that we have, and that's it. And we got to start looking, and we're looking high and low and high and low, and I am going to call this lady when, when I get done, and we're just not finding them, uh, the people who can do it. It, it I don't, you know, what do, what do you think that player. Yeah. I don't know how the what hell I th- got good at it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the reason is that people, I mean, I, I have my own ideas why I think people don't want to get involved, but what do you think the major government crux is? The major, I would just say that it is like, I've heard you say before that, you know, you got to go up against the government and that's like, Oh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they're little, Oh shit. Are they going to retaliate? Right. Cause they sure can. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's part of it. Part of it is, uh, it's contingency. And so you have to have enough money to keep your doors open and pay your employees and mm. um, all, fund all this stuff. There are times when I've, there were times in the past, because I'd like to think I've gotten a little wiser. There have been times in the past where I'm carrying like a quarter million dollars in um, cost oh. from the cases that I'm, that I'm handling. And I ain't that rich, you know? Um, and that's, that's one of the problems. Um it's just the hard work, and it, it does drain you. I, you mentioned earlier about the trauma to us. Like you're feeling traumatized because you got into this, and now you're hearing this shit all the time. <laughs> right. There, there was a time where I, um, I seemed to be getting just so many calls from people, and and one of them included like a one of the new attorneys. So I tried to get into it, and he got into it for a little while, and he'd call me just like blown away by this, and blown away by that, and we'd have these conversations, and they would run a little like into like seven, seven thirty, eight, eight thirty at night, and I'm talking to people, and people are calling me, and they're 
telling me about the horror story, what the fucking judge did and all this terrible stuff. And then I go to bed and I'm laying there just going, ah. Right. <laughs> I had an issue with Edith. I said, listen, so call me. But if you call me after six o'clock, you cannot talk about our fucking work. You got to yeah. talk about, hey, talk about your kids, your vacation. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. yeah. Don't talk about it. Yeah. I mean, Sylvia, Sylvia, I swear to God, I, I think she probably gets two hours sleep and all the other women that we work with. Like, Bob, these women that I work with are some of the uh, most amazing individuals I've ever met in my life. They're so, they're, they have, I always say they have the uh, uh, <laughs> testicular fortitude that most men don't have. Yeah. That, like, yeah. they literally, these women are amazing. Like, they just work. They, they, I don't know when they sleep. I honestly don't know when they're sleeping. Like, you know, I'm getting texts like at one, one thirty in the morning, ding, ding, ding. They're all talking ding, to ding, each ding. other and figuring stuff. And it's like, I don't know how they do it. Like, I mean, I need to rest a little bit and get recharged, you know, for the next day. I probably because I'm old now, but it's just yeah. amazing. Yeah, you're and, and old. I'm, well, 53, it, it's pretty old. Yeah, I'm getting yeah. up there. Hey, listen, guys. So here's the thing. We're doing what we can, and you guys are doing what you can. And I know you do this regularly, and I can see the passion that you guys have for it. And I mean, I, again, that's kind of all we can do. And I guess I am – I do wish I could – that, but I can't. Yeah. Uh, I do wish I win the lottery, and then I would assemble a fucking mill of the attorneys and uh, – pot of money to just chase the fuckers and do it legislatively and do it on every front that I could. Um, but we can't. So be happy. Um, yeah. Be proud that you're doing what you're doing because social media, having people like me, Sean, if you have like seven more people though, you're done. I'm just letting you know. That's it. Wow. At least in my state, I, you know, I can't. Um, no, I can't find any lawyers. I, that's the thing. Well, I, yeah. can't I can't find them. You know, um, Sylvia, if you want to, yeah, sometimes you have to hound me when it's kind of off the, because I mean, this is, this is two, two hours of work I didn't do, but I have a lady too that comes to mind um, who now is retired. She has some health issues, but she had, that was a great, fantastic appellate attorney in um, mm -hmm. juvenile dependency in the LA area. And then she also uh, started her first trial was with me. She said that she had heard about me from a friend of hers, Rachel, and I got involved and she said she'd get involved. So she did her first trial in juvie with me. And I would think um, that she in particular would be a great one to talk to. She has a, a different approach. She's not the Sean and I, you know, again, I'm a boxer, football player. Sean was a Muay Thai kickboxer kind of guy. And she might have a, a great woman's perspective because the whole entire practice of law could still use more women, could definitely yeah. use more people of color Women of color would be a great uh, change. I mean, depending on what your view is on white supremacy. Um, and, and so I don't know what ran me off into that tangent, but uh, I, I just <laughs> want to say thank you. Thank you for doing what you do and keep doing what you do. And if I can get you, if, you run, if you're running short, and you guys are going, shit, we're not going to have anybody. We're going to have to interview the garbage man. Then give me a holler and I'll run through my Rolodex and I'll, I'll get you some. Yeah. Are you guys going to ever talk to family? Do you ever... Talk to family. Yeah, we, we actually do. have. Uh, no. No. I mean, well, we have you... so many people. To be honest with you, I'm booked until July. Oh, so you kind of like <laughs> stagger those in and out, and then get someone like me, and then more people. Yeah, okay. we yeah. Have, well, we we have... we have a variety of all different people. Like we mm -hmm. have, we've had sheriff. Uh, we had a former FBI. We've had. Um, yeah, whistleblowers. Witch, um, 
whistleblowers. Yeah. 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 And then we've had, um, we've had now foster, we've had foster youth on here. Um, and then that's another thing is I want to put more foster youth on here as well. Yeah. Um, because they their voice needs to be heard uh but it's still hard for them to talk about it you know like they're the most they're the ones that you know they don't want to they don't want to relive the trauma you know they're just kind of moving on you know like they're they're out of the system they want to move on so those are some that we're focusing on too but yeah Mm -hmm. yeah there's so much Mm-hmm. we won't we'll never solve it all but thank you for your efforts and um thank you for having me today and uh good luck with everything well yeah, yeah thank you, you too you too we all appreciate right. your time good to you have bet. you on. yeah and, if, and we will definitely pick that rolodex at some point for sure so yeah, yeah no problem yep. i can yep. no hard no problem awesome have a great night go ahead all and right. you can end we're going to stay online you can end your meeting there okay and then yeah, uh, end my meeting there thank adios <laughs> thank Take you care. That was great. Yes. Great guy. Fun guy. I didn't yeah, expect he... him to be so, uh, so like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I expected because I'd never seen him, you know, his face before. So when Sean was describing, I was thinking of this like older gentleman, like in his late seventies or something. <laughs> it's not, not anything what I pictured in my mind. So that was funny. Great guy, man. A lot of great information again. Uh, yeah. You can see where Sean definitely like, they have that same mentality yeah. like when he said i picked his brain and i figured him yeah that's you could see it there but yeah, what a shame sure. like how that guy that if we could clone them it's over it's game yeah. over these guys knocked them out but it's all about that dollar bill man that's what it's always coming down to yeah well i mean just like he was saying the ones that are in the system they actually harm the case you know like they don't give them resources they don't help them they don't file anything for them they mm-hmm. like hold them back so yeah that's the other issue but he gave me some great ideas because i never you know these are simple things that we we didn't think about was the open open the courts if people could see what is going on they Mm -hmm. would be appalled and then uh the social worker body cameras that's amazing that would be if that was required oh my gosh if that became state law Oh my that's God, that'd be over. Mm-hmm. Game changer. Yeah. And that's so simple. That is the simplest thing. But just like you said, it's never going to happen because that's oversight. They don't want oversight. They right. don't want they, you in the courtroom. They don't want you at the person's house. They don't want that. It's it's mm-hmm. sickening what they've done. Uh, Olive 11, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. You just missed our, uh, we had a lawyer on that was explaining the family court and juvenile court systems in California and basically the United States and how corrupt they are and how he's been able to win some big cases for his clients some families that were torn apart. So uh, you can watch the replay if you'd like. I think it was great information. Uh, very colorful guy. Like I like that. I like someone that's passionate about mm-hmm. it. And that's, that's you know, you could tell these, like, just like I told him, I've I've always had this image of lawyers because I know, I know a lot of them. They're very arrogant. You know, they think they know it all a lot of times. They got their nose stuck in the air. But Sean and him, they're not like that. They're like, and I think it's because children soften your heart. Like that really is a soft spot in people's hearts. And they're just like, you know what? No, I can't stand for this crap. And I'm going after these, these idiots, you know, like I, I it's genuine. I don't think it's fake. That's real. You can't make right. that stuff up. And they've been doing it a long time. Yeah. No, that's yeah. yeah no, we need more like that. That's for sure. I'm going to be calling him about some cases. 
<laughs> oh yeah, definitely pick their brains for sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean, we got Sh Sean and him. You might as well. I mean, they can always give advice. Now I know like, you know, California is not the same everywhere, obviously, but it's similar enough. I think you can really, well, I don't know. California, I've got five. I think I have five cases in California. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. It, it's it's the... bad in California. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. And it can end. It's going to end. We got some good things brewing. I think everything's going to change. Well, guys, yes. thank you so much for joining us. Uh, joyful June. Good to see you. Thank you for the can. Appreciate that, sister. And somebody who else gave me? Uh, oh, yeah. Plant Patriot gave me a cookie. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Appreciate that. Uh, Plant Patriot, hope to see you up here May 20th. And I know I saw Chops in the in the chat, too. Chops, good to see you, man. These are Michigan natives. Well, Chops is Michigan, but Plant is in Ohio. But hopefully we can all meet up for our Michigan meetup here soon. And by the way, Joyful June, is. did I tell you she's having a gathering? Okay, yeah. She did. Yeah. I think I'm actually yeah. going to be on a family vacation. I think it was, oh, what, okay. April? April 6th, June? I don't know. Go ahead. I Yeah, I think it was the 6th. 6th or 8th. I can't remember one of those two dates. I would love to go down there. I would. I don't know. It's just not good timing for me right now. But I will be down there and we will all unite and it will be fun. Yes. And, we'll, and oh, I'm sure we'll have a few great. cocktails. <laughs> oh, for so, sure. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right. Well, Sylvia, I'm sure we'll be texting tonight. Uh, yeah. I'm going to get on the horn here in a few minutes, talk with some friends. And um, <laughs> I, I wish I would have, you know what I forgot? I was going to upload the Georgia Bulldog picture that <laughs> Tony. Oh, that Tony made? <laughs> I was going to. I mean, if we're going to have promotional bobbleheads. <laughs> you should sell them on the website. It'll be perfect. Oh, yeah, I might do that. <laughs> you can make one with me and I'll have a microphone and headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> We're going to post oh, those later. <laughs> April 8th, June said. Thank you. Thank okay. You okay. Actually, All right, guys. Yeah. We, we love you. Oh, gosh. I didn't play our ads again. I didn't. You know what? He doesn't seem to like Mike Lindell, so I was going to wait. So let's go ahead and play our ads right now, and then we'll close up shop. Sorry. Mike Lindell, in light of the recent events, your continued support means everything to myself and my employees. To thank you, we're having the biggest sale ever on all my pillow bedding. Get my pillow bed sheets for as low as $29.98, a set of pillowcases for only $9.98. In this economy, instead of buying a new bed, rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. We also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles, like plush, waffle, or gossamer, for as low as $29.98. We even have pet blankets from small size to the ones for your car. Get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. So go to MyPillow.com or call that number on your screen Use your promo code and you'll get huge discounts on all my pillow bedding, including my pillow bed sheets for as low as $29.98. Get all your shopping in while quantities last. Please order now. It's a general uh, immune health preventive strategy. So you need vitamin D, then you need zinc, which is the bullet, and then to form a functioning gun, you need vitamin C and quercetin. Patients were having trouble sourcing it because it was four different ingredients that were not always available in the same place. They had trouble finding the right doses. 
It was a puzzle that was a little too complex for people to put together. So I was asked to produce something that has everything in one package. So with the help of my colleagues, we were able to produce a compound called Z-Stack, which basically has vitamin C, vitamin D, and most importantly, it has quercetin and zinc. And all I'm allowed to say is that it's an immune booster and nutritional supplement, which it is.